How many of you were blessed by Prophet Andre last week? He's such a gift to the body of Christ. Uh, and, uh, you know, Kelsey and I consider him as a, as a very good friend. Um, and I believe that everyone needs a good friend in their life. Everyone needs a good friend. And really, you know, from the time uh, when we, he always says, don't come and pick me up from the airport. I will arrange, you know, transport, you know, what are they called? The, no, the, the, the shuttle um, between the hotel and, you know, the airport. He said, I'll do that by myself. You just come and I just want to spend time with you. And uh, from the time he comes into the country, he is only looking to add value to Kelsey and me. He's like, you know, if I never get an opportunity to preach in your church, that's absolutely fine. It's worth my time just spending with you. And, you know, I really believe that every single person deserves to have a friend. A friend is someone who does not look to get something from you, but looking to add value to you. You know, and I truly believe that, that for us uh, as a community, um, what really would define us from every other community is that we're very friendly. <laughs> friendly, friendly. Uh, and it's not about going out and hanging out after um, the service, and that's where people get to see how friendly you are. <laughs> but it's in this room, in this moment, every second that you get to spend time with the people sitting around you or standing around you or walking around you, uh, you get an opportunity to add value to their life. And really, uh, the kingdom of God is about friends. Yeah. Friends that add value to friends. And uh, I, I, I believe that, you know, we need, we need to have friends who... Friends who really communicate in such a way that builds and not tears down. Friends who uh, will go the extra mile instead of asking you to take the extra mile. Friends who will pursue rather than expect you to pursue. I think I'm, I'm doing good. And I really believe that to Kelsey and I, Andre is, is that friend and uh, I really bless him. He really ministers to us and we receive uh, from him and he's given us such uh, uh, encouraging words about you and about our mandate in the city and this nation and the, and the world uh, and he, there is no church like this church uh, and I just want you to know that um, whether, there's a, whether, there's a public, whether there's a speaker that comes into the room or not for us what's most important is Jesus and I, I want to commend you that your focus on Jesus is phenomenal. Uh, you change people's lives. Amen. You know, there was a prophetic word that Patricia King gave us, uh, and she said, people will want to come to your church to minister in your church, but they will leave your church being ministered to. And I, and I do believe that that is because of the quality of your relationship with God and your quality of your friendship with one another. The reason why I'm sharing this is because our mandate or our mission in, in the year 2020 and beyond uh, is that God wants us to look at transformation through the lens of being a blessing. That we exist to be a blessing, not exist to receive a blessing. So, the, so, so what that means is sons look to be a blessing to make an impact rather than orphans who are looking for something. And the, the church has, uh, has evolved into such a machine that has caused people uh, to have a hunger uh, from conference to conference, church to church, speaker to speaker, title to title, uh, for a blessing. And that machine has really raised up more orphans than sons. When people ask me, you know, people send me messages. 
they see on Facebook or they see on social media that I have a friend who's come from town and he's speaking in our church. Uh, they send a lot of, uh, hey, you know, this person is in this region and that person is in this region. If you want, I could just, you know, tell them to come to your church. And, and honestly, there is no need. There is no need other than the fact that they have a need to be ministered to. There are certain people that are exceptions that we come here, that come here. And those, those people are friends to us. They're family. They're not coming here to do a meeting, a conference. They're coming to spend time with family. So, it's, so we're, we're sons. God is raising you to be a son. In his kingdom. And a son is not an orphan. A son is somebody who has his identity in place that does not run around man looking for a blessing, but he runs around man looking to be a blessing. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a good word for you today, but before I came up here, the Lord asked me to remind you about your faith. Uh, and your faith in God's word. Because sometimes in a new season, <clears throat> we tend to, um, not because God has given us a word saying he's going to do a new thing. Yeah. And sometimes the prison of our comfort zone of 2019 can restrict us from having an expectation for something new in 2020. So Jesus says, there is no greater love than a friend who lays down his life for another friend. It's very important that you understand that in this year, the context of everything that we do, the lens that we look at life through is one of that we're meant to be a blessing, not looking for a blessing. Okay? So keep that context in mind throughout this word because without that context, you will not understand Anything I'm saying. Okay? Are you okay? So saying that, Jesus, when he says, there's no other love that is greater than a one who lays down his life for his friend. Okay? So what that means is there's an invitation for in this year and the future to live a laid down life. For the people around you. How amazing it would be that you're sitting next to someone you don't know, but the expectation is to lay down your life for that one. If I would ask two people to stand up in the room, just randomly, just someone from this side, that side, and I'll say, okay, what is their middle name? You'd have no clue. And that's okay. There's no condemnation. There's no pressure. What's your middle name? What's your middle name? I don't even remember first names at times. And that's absolutely fine. But the reason why I'm saying that is because the, 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 in the new year, it's not about the details of knowing each other in order for you to be friendly. You don't, you don't tell me something that qualifies you for me to be a blessing to you. Do you understand? So you don't have to do anything in order for me to bless you. It's the culture of grace. And it's this year, more than any other year, the expectation from heaven is that when you step into a place of qualifying the unqualified, giving to the one who just does not deserve it. In fact, giving to the one who does not even qualify themselves to receive anything. Giving to that one is when the supernatural will begin to flow. Do you understand? It's a different dimension. We have entered into a different dimension. And you cannot expect to, to love on somebody, you love on your friend or your neighbor sitting next to you because you know stuff about them. Oh, you know. 
I know Angelo's stuff. That's why I'm staying away. <laughs> Pastor, it's called wisdom. It's not wisdom. It's foolishness in this year. That you would look at the flaws of people and disqualify or qualify them for your love. Because God doesn't look at us the same way. If God were to look at your flaws, trust me, he just won't look at yours. He'll look at your flaws from the time of Adam till now. Why? It's because your, your DNA begins to communicate to God every thought that Adam had from Adam all the way till you. Thank God for redemption. Amen. You know, I know I'm saying something, but can I say something? Yes. <laughs> Your greatness is very closely linked to how much you release a blessing. This year, your greatness is very closely linked to how much you release a blessing. How many of you believe you're blessed? All of us. That's phenomenal. So the reason why you're blessed is because God expects you to be a So put your hand on your heart and say, I will be a blessing to everyone around me. Twenty twenty is a different year. Twenty twenty is a different year. You know, great people <clears throat> that we consider great today in the secular realm never thought of becoming great. They never had the intention of making millions. They wanted to make a difference. And it is in that place of wanting to make a difference to people and society around that caused them to enter into a place of greatness where people are like, oh, you're very great. Why? It's because of the way they have changed humanity. I'll give you an example. Leon, his name is Leon Musk? Elon Musk? <laughs> I just changed his name. So Leon Musk. <laughs> so Elon Musk, uh, his issue was that that there were too many people using up fuel, fossil fuel. And so because of that, and they were polluting the earth, and because of his mindset, which is generational, he was thinking about the generations ahead who will not have fossil fuel or not, won't have clean air to breathe, positioned him in a place to be ridiculed, to be persecuted, to be called crazy enough to build an electric car. That... that has zero emissions. But the reason why he did it, and today we're like, whoa, man, Elon Musk, very good, very good, too good, fantastic, very great man, very millions, billions, all that stuff. We say all of that stuff only because he has done something for humanity that none of us have done. And your portion, every single person in this room, your portion of greatness is very much linked to how much value you add to the people around you. Do you understand? And so today, I really want to um, communicate to us that there needs to be a shift in the church. And now I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about churches in the Middle East. I'm talking to churches in the Middle East. I'm talking to Christians in the Middle East. And I'm saying that there needs to be a shift in how we approach this city, this nation, this region. There has to be a shift. It has to take place because I really feel like if we don't position ourselves to be forerunners in this shift, then we will be followers for the rest of our lives. And, and, and I believe that, that hearts will be opened in this region, there will be peace that will be brought into this region when we decide to be a blessing, to make a difference, and to look for opportunities to make a difference, to look for opportunities to be a blessing, rather than just looking for a blessing. When we position ourselves as Christians, Christ-like people, then it will create a shift in the entire region. And I'm, and I'm calling out to Christians now. 
I'm calling out to people who believe in God to look for opportunities to add value to the people around us. Not just look for what you can take. Have you felt the shift? I'm speaking geographically now. I'm talking to all the people in the Middle East. I'm talking, I'm opening up the heavens over the Middle East saying, Lord, give them a blessing. Release blessings over them so that we will not be orphans in this region. See, there's an orphan spirit. (coughs) There's an orphan spirit that really, that hovers over this region that communicates that you are not the legitimate son. And we've, as Christians, we've come under this, this thing that causes us to also do the same thing in the church. But you're a legitimate son. And so if God has positioned you as a gatekeeper, (laughs) if he has positioned you, then you have a purpose and there's a responsibility for you to be a blessing rather than look for government, look for authority, look for all these places to receive a blessing out of them. Do you understand? We want to look, we look for opportunities to serve people. So if Kelsey and I are like that, then can you imagine all the Christians in this region? If Kelsey and I live a life where we are constantly looking for opportunities to serve, then what will, will the Christians look like? Every Christian will come into this position where they will understand their mandate is to be a blessing. They will come into that place. I can guarantee you that. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you, that every religion, every person that has a, comes from a religious background needs to feel safe in the church. Every belief system. We're not so poor and so desperate that we want to convert everybody. Come on, man. Come on, think. Just think. You are much more powerful. You are much more, you have an authority that, that does not need to submit to weaker things. Don't lower your standard. Don't be so desperate to think that, wow, God can't change people's lives. Don't be so desperate to think that heaven needs all everybody to be Christians. You'll be surprised. <laughs> Jesus did not say you need to become a Christian in order to enter heaven. He said you need to believe. Believe. Come on now. So every religion is welcome to believe. It's a non-threatening way of people believing in Jesus. Jesus never came to, to, he was a man of peace. He was a man of love. When did we become so hostile? When did the church become so filled with an agenda to, like, oh, I need to populate heaven. No, Baba, if God wanted to populate heaven, he wouldn't send you to the earth. I know I'm preaching something that is challenging you. But the mindset, the way we do evangelism has to change. We're not desperate. God is not sitting there going, if he doesn't say it, they don't put their hand up, then I don't know. He's not insecure. Please. God is so secure. And the reason why I'm saying this today is because of the title of my message. (laughs) Okay? So I'm going to teach you today about growing in favor. Growing in favor. That's the title of my sermon. Because when that shift takes place, when that, in your your mindset, when that shift takes place in in a Christian's mindset, that we are no longer looking for a blessing. Pastor, please pray. Pastor, please pray. Please lay hands on me, prophet. Please lay hands on this, on this, on this. Lay hands. If you don't pray, then you know my life. No. 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 No, no, not allowed to think like that in this church. In fact, you're not allowed to think like that as a Christian. We look for an opportunity to change people's lives. We look for an opportunity to change atmosphere. We look for an opportunity to heal the sick. We look for an opportunity to raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Look for opportunities. Don't be comfortable. 
Because the minute you become comfortable, that's when you start looking for self. Look for opportunities to add value. Because when your mind begins to shift into that realm, I'll tell you, that's when you will grow in favor with God and with man. Do you understand? Now, I'm not saying that we're not favored. We are favored. How do I know that? How do you know that? Well, the Bible says that while you were still in sin, Christ died for you. And you were chosen to be in Christ before the foundation of the world. So which means you were already favored. How many of you believe you're already favored? Right? So if you're already favored, how do you grow in favor? It's not a performance-based message. But a responsibility-based message. (laughs) God has given you the ability, his grace, for you to grow in favor. Okay? And favor really simply means that it's an act of kindness for someone who doesn't deserve it. That's simple. An act of kindness for someone who doesn't deserve it. Your pastor doesn't deserve to be here. But it's an act of kindness. So I appreciate his act of kindness. That's why I position myself to grow in that favor. A lot of Christians are very okay with just salvation-based favor. Because salvation-based favor positions you to just receive. Do you understand? Oh, I've been saved by grace, through faith. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I am seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And you get all of those qualifications. Praise the Lord. For what? What for? Why, why do you need to be seated in heavenly places with Christ? In Christ? Why? <laughs> huh? Yes. To be a... Right, so Luke chapter 2 says that Jesus grew in favor with God and with? So there is, this, this sentence is spoken of, of Jesus and only one other person in the Bible. And that's the prophet Samuel. Okay, so we're going to go through both their lives for a little bit. And we're going to get, some, get a few principles out of it that will really help us to grow and mature in favor. I'll tell, let me tell you something. If you have favor with God, the heavens will be opened over you. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't have favor with man, the earth will not be opened to you. Where are you? So what do you need? Favor with? Favor with? And? Just I'll ask you a simple question because I'll bring it because you're too spiritual. I have to make you a little fleshy. If you don't have favor with your boss at work, what's your work life like? You can't do anything. Don't want to go to office. I'm like, eh, I need a new job. And you go to a new job and you think that, wow, well, better increase salary, all that stuff. And then six months later, no favor. You can do nothing without, on the earth without favor with men. You have to understand that. You have favor with God. The heavens are open. But if man does not open the door, no favor. I will show you in the word today. Okay, are you ready for the word? Okay, so open your Bibles to the first book of Samuel, chapter 2. And I'm going to go through a story and we're going to go through a few principles or a few ways in which you can couple of ways that you can grow in favor with God and with man. It's important to grow in favor with God and with man. Okay? You can't just, some people only run after man because they think that they need the favor from man. When you have that favor and you don't have the favor from God, the favor from man dries up. Hello, ask your salary at the end of the month. (laughs) Or maybe for some of us, mid-month. And if you only have favor from God, please listen to me. There is a natural thing that you need. Favor is supernatural. Do you understand? You need favor with God and you need favor with man. Now the favor I'm talking about is not salvation favor. That God does it for you and then you are saved by grace and by your faith, all that stuff. And now your name is written in the Lamb's book. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about how you can be, bring transformation on the earth. It's very important. This is a mandate. So you have to understand this message, okay? Are you in 1 Samuel 2? Yeah. Right. So when you go home, not now, when you go home, I would love for you to read uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, 2, and 3 because that's what I'm talking about. So I'm going to tell you the story and I'm going to give you the principles and otherwise we'll have to read a lot of scripture, okay? So, so mark it in your Bible that you must read it otherwise you won't understand the context of what I'm saying, okay? So we see that in, in, in 1 Samuel 2 that Hannah, who is, which is a beautiful name, uh, is um, Samuel's mother and she was barren, okay? And she couldn't bear children and she was really frustrated. She was really upset and she went to the temple and she was next to Eli the priest and she began to make a commitment. How many of you have made those commitments before God? God, I will do everything for you if you give me a job. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah, I know most all of us have done it. Don't have to say it, I know. So she comes there and she says, God, if you bless me with a son, firstborn son, if you bless me with a son, this, check this blessing, okay? Check this thing that she does. She says, if you bless me with a son, I will loan him to you for the rest of his life. Not her life, his life. <laughs> so she comes and she makes this statement and Eli, who's the, high, who's the priest of the temple, listens to this lady crying out and doing all this stuff. And then she goes home. She goes home and the Lord hears her prayer and she gets pregnant. Praise the Lord. And then after that, when the baby is born, she names him Samuel. And now it's time for her to keep the word. It's that, it's that pressure. I received a blessing. Now what do I do? The reason, I want to tell you this. The reason why God blessed her is because she said she would be a blessing. God was not under pressure until she realized that her purpose was to give birth to a blessing. Are you with me? Yeah. So then she said, no, not now. The baby needs to be weaned. And so when the time came for the baby to be weaned, she brought him to the temple. Can you imagine a mother? She waited for this child all her life. And now she has to fulfill her promise. It's like tides, you know. Anyway, so <laughs> the offering time is like, oh, Lord, I guess it's cup of noodle time. But God watches everything. So she comes, she gives the baby to the high priest, and she says, here, Lord, this is my son. I'm loaning him to you. Okay? And she walks away. She goes home. And the Bible says that from that moment on, I don't know how, but Samuel ministered to the Lord. Which means in his DNA, he already knew that the purpose for his life was to offer ministry to the Lord. I want to tell you that your purpose in life, in your DNA... What is in your DNA in 2020 is that you are meant to be a blessing to the nations. You understand? And so God will release blessings in your life when you come into the place where you understand that those are meant for his kingdom. I'm not talking only about finances. I'm talking about your gifts, your talents, your, your time, your effort, everything, your service in the church. Everything exists. He gives it to you because you are going to be accountable for it. Not conditional. There is no conditions. You're going to be accountable for it. And I would not want to stand next to you when you're being accounted for <laughs> When those things are being accounted for and you've walked away from it and said, oh, no, 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 on this condition, when you have those things, I really don't want to be in the room with you and you stand before God because he's going to ask you, I gave you a blessing. What did you do with it? I gave you a gift. I gave you a talent. I gave you money. I gave you a business. I gave you family. I gave you children. What are they doing? Husbands, you think that your responsibility is only to be a provider. 
Your responsibility is to be accountable to God for what happens in your family. Because God gave you that family as a blessing. In order for you to be a blessing to everyone around you. Not so that, oh, my wife only cooks for me, she cleans for me, she does, oh, me, 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 me. It doesn't exist like that in the kingdom of God. You have to come into a place where you understand that you exist, your family exists in order for you to be a blessing. Do you understand? So the first thing that Samuel did was he ministered to the Lord. Now, if you want to grow in favor with God, grow in favor with God, not get favor. Grow in favor. You have to position yourself to be conscious to minister to the Lord. It's the first thing that you have to do. You live your life being aware of that your call is to minister to the? To the? Not only when you sing songs. Which means every choice that you make every single day, God is looking and receives it as ministry. He was chosen to be a priest and he offered his priestly duties. Now Samuel was a, in, a, in, a, in a temple where Eli was the priest, was the high priest. And Eli had some sons and those sons were really wicked and they did wicked things in the temple. They, I just don't want to go into the details, but they were just wicked. They were bad guys in the temple. But I want to tell you this, that a lot of times when we are called to minister to the Lord, it's always, we, we sometimes go to God saying, God, look at Eli's sons. They're desecrating the temple. Look at what the pastor's doing. Look at what this person is doing. Look at what that person is doing. And we make up all these conditions and all these issues at, that restricts us from ministering, doing what God has called you to do. It's not our responsibility to go to God for what people do. It's your responsibility to God to minister to Him. Every second of the day, I am responsible for what, how I steward my ministry to God, not the church. My responsibility is to minister personally. My responsibility is to minister to God. Live every day, every choice that I make, I make it with Him in mind. His kingdom in mind. See, a lot of times Christians fail in this area because self is the focus. When self is the focus, all the conditions around you need to be perfect in order for you to perform. Everything around you, the weather needs to be perfect, the AC needs to be perfect, the lighting needs to be perfect in church for me to lift up my hand and sing hallelujah. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, if it's a little warmer, the Holy Spirit won't move. The kids need to be out of this room. Please just listen to me. These are conditions that we make in church. The kids need to go to kids' church. Why? Because I need at least 45 minute breaks for my children. How can you have a 45 minute break from your blessing? (laughs) So Samuel ministered to the Lord. The first thing, there's a progression. Please listen to me, okay? There's a progression. When Samuel came into the temple, he ministered to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Okay, read the story, you'll get it. So when Eli's sons were doing all this drama, the Bible says that Samuel grew in stature and he ministered to the Lord. Progression. Eli is not there. Okay? A lot of times, we think that favor is only linked to the person who is in my life. God called you into this church because he wanted to disciple you himself. Do you understand? So Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of a mentor, in the presence of a father, in the presence of a spiritual father, in the presence of a teacher, in the presence of a pastor. But he did not get God's attention yet. 
But it was only when Eli's sons started doing what they were doing and Eli did not correct them that God's eyes turned from them onto the one who was focused on ministering to God. That's how he grew in favor. A lot of times we think that, yeah, man, you know, I just come to church and I just have to sit in these chairs and listen to it. Otherwise, you know, my life coach will call me. Otherwise, you know, this will happen. And the pastor will say, hey, man, where have you been? What's your middle name? Fill out the new form. You know, all, <laughs> all these kind of jokes that pass around. There's subtle messages that are saying, hey, you're not coming to church. What's wrong with you? Why are you listening to the devil? Right? Why are you listening to all these rubbish? Come to the church. Why? Because it's your place where we get together as a family to minister to God. It's not about sitting in a chair and listening to a guy speak. I mean, trust me, you can pay people money. They speak better than me. They call conferences. <laughs> but, but the point to what I'm saying is while Eli is in the room, what are you doing? Because if you're doing what Eli is doing, then you're getting God's attention. Because when Eli is not in the room, what are you doing? When Eli was not in the temple, Samuel continued to minister to the Lord. And then it came to a point in time where God was so angry with Eli's sons that he wanted to kill them. Yes, that is in the Bible. That God now, it's spoken of Samuel, that Samuel ministered to the Lord in the presence of the Lord. There's a transition of favor. There's a transition of favor that impacts our life. And if you don't watch out, you will miss the transition. God is looking to have a direct relationship with you where he will be your God and you will be his people. That's the, that's the covenant of the new, there's a new covenant. It's a covenant of grace. He wants to be the one who teaches you. He wants to be the one that gives you revelation. He is the one who wants to teach you how to stand up in the presence of God and minister to God. He was the one who wants to help you to get out of debt. He is the one who wants to get you out of your habits. He is the one who wants to do it. But far too long, we just hang around Eli and that's all we want to do. That's a salvation-based favor. But in order for us to come into a mature in favor, we've got to understand that, okay, there, there is a point in time where now I continue doing what I'm doing and God is the one who chooses me. <laughs> Do you understand? Do you understand? And so, so we, the first thing is that you, you live your life being conscious of the fact that you are a minister unto God. Constantly. So that's one way that you can grow in favor with God. Okay? Now, I want you to go to verse <clears throat> 35. Okay? This re-emphasizes what I was just saying. Okay? But here we see, sorry, in verse 26, it says, And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor with both the Lord and with Men. And so Eli now is being confronted by a, a prophet who comes to him and says, this is what God thinks about you. And now go to verse 35. And then he says, then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. I will build him a sure house and he will walk before my anointed forever. Okay. This is very important that you understand this because this is God's heart for each one of us. It's not only for the man in front. Do you understand? It's God's heart for you. He wants to have a direct relationship with you where you understand what is on his mind, his heart, and you walk humbly before him. Are you okay? So we see that Samuel now grows from this place into a, a place where he begins to hear. In chapter 2, he begins to hear. In chapter 3, he begins to hear the voice of God. Samuel, Samuel, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. He, he has this dialogue with God where the Bible says that Samuel grew because he, the voice of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him. Like the word of the Lord is coming to you right now. 
So we see Samuel growing because he's beginning to hear God's voice. Are you with me? Right? Now, I want you to go to um, chapter 3 and verse 19. Right? So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. Not Eli. The Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. That is phenomenal. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Okay? Now, look at me now. This is how you find favor with men. Are you, are you okay? Okay? This is the second thing. Samuel lived in such faith in God that he was obedient to everything that was in God's heart, God's mind, and he walked before him. It's the second way that you grow in favor with God. Is that you communicate what is on God's heart, God's mind, and you walk before him. What does that mean? It means that I will not say something that God is not saying. It would be a very interesting conversation to have. Sit around coffee. So, Priya, what is God saying? I've asked people this many times. What is God saying? Because I want to see whether you are in favor or not. <laughs> Do you understand? We live so unconscious of the fact that God desires to have a relationship with us. But his relationship with us is because he loves us and also he has a purpose for us in mind. And he wants to raise you up himself, not send you to prophet school. Not send you to another conference where you can grow how to heal the sick and cast out demons when Jesus said plainly, hey, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, freely you've received, freely give away. He's given you the recipe. But for us, we need to know uh, how does one plus one become two? Because it analytically has to make sense to me. Otherwise, I do not have faith. See, God is looking for people who when he says something, they just do it. Yeah. Don't think too much. Yeah. Don't pretend like you are very intelligent to God. Don't pretend like you are too dumb either. Just be obedient. Be obedient. You know what obedience means? Obedience is the state of your heart while you're listening to instruction. And some of us have such a corrupted heart that is so self-focused that we only want to hear what God is saying about us. About me. God, give me prophetic word. God, give me blessing. And the things that come out of your mouth, is it what is on God's heart? If it is on God's heart, then he will not allow what comes out of your mouth to fall to the ground. See, the way you grow in favor with God is by obedience, by faith in his word. You believe every word that he's saying. Even if it takes you 20 years, you believe it. And you hold on and you never give up. But then you grow in favor with man. Are you ready for this? Is when you speak what God is saying. When you speak what is on his heart, when you speak what is on his mind, and you walk humbly before him, he will not allow the words that come out of your mouth to fall to the ground. See, a lot of times... This is when Israel begin to hear about Samuel. And say, oh, Samuel must be a prophet. Because whatever Samuel says, it happens. No, why does it happen? Please listen to me. Kelsey gave a prophetic word to somebody that this will happen. Why did it happen? It's because she heard. Come on. She heard. The person who received that word, received that word in such a way that said, God spoke to me, I receive it. Finished, that's the end of it. Because they received that prophetic word, now, boom, God is in action. Do you understand? A lot of times, Christians, and I've experienced this many times, Christians walk around with too much of opinions. Which is not on God's heart. And not on God's mind. And every time you have an opinion about something, it falls flat. 
and it never seemed to work, never seems to happen, never seems to accomplish what you're saying. But the reason why is because that's not on God's mind. It's not on God's heart. Because what's on God's heart is that he exists in order to be a blessing. It's for the profit of all. You remember two weeks ago I shared the, the word, this has to be 1 Corinthians. It's the profit of all. If you have the mindset that God has that you exist in order to be a blessing, then everything you position yourself the way Jesus positioned himself. Because he only spoke what he heard the father say. He only did what he saw the father doing. So if you want to do what Jesus did, then you have to position yourself in such a place that, that says, God, even in a common, normal conversation between husband and wife, I only want to say what Jesus is saying about you. See, we, we've trained our minds to believe that everything in life exists for God raised the company up and he gave that boss that position for... No. <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to understand that if he raised that company up for you, then you would be the boss. But if you're not the boss and if you're an employee, understand that you have a responsibility of influence. You have a responsibility of being a blessing. So how, how would you find favor with your boss in the office? Even if he's the most, she's the most meanest person on the planet, your responsibility is to go to them and ignore the character, ignore the, all the drama, ignore it, and say, how can I add value to your job? How can I, I exist to be a blessing to you. God gave me, I signed a document. Do you know you signed a covenant with your company to serve that boss? And God looks at the covenant and says, you signed this. And now you're praying to give you another boss. So how many covenants do you want to make? And so we look at the covenant and we're like, well, you know, they're not giving me my salary on time. They're not doing, who's your boss? Really? Like who is the guy who owns everything? God. So maybe your salary hasn't come on time because he wants to see whether you have faith in him. To believe for the impossible to happen in your company. Maybe there is, your company is really going through a tough time. And maybe a little bit of understanding and a little bit of, couple of noodles for a couple of weeks would really show your company that you really love them and you're there to add value to them. Yeah. I know I'm preaching a good word. Yeah. I know it. We make demands and commands that everything needs to work around me and I'm the child of God. Yes, you're the child of God. Jesus was the king of kings but the servant of all. We have to come into a place where we understand that if I need to grow in favor with man, I've got to ignore the character. He, he's not a Christian. She's not a Christian. I have to ignore that character. And I exist in order to add value. How can I walk into your boss's office and say, well, how can I, be of, how can I make a difference in this company? Without, saying, without thinking of how much of a reward you will get at the end of it. Because see, we only want to go only if there's a, is that a commission system? Is that a bonus? Is that a thing at the end of the year? Is there something that I will get out of it? And only if I get something, then I will do something. I will show you my gifts and I will I'll add value. No, no. You are standing before, the, before your heavenly father and you're serving Eli. Eli isn't, doesn't walk with God. He can't even hear God's voice. And in order for you to become a minister unto God, you have to learn from Eli. And God positioned you with Eli so that you could serve Eli in the temple. You can serve Eli in the office. You can serve that, that guy who does not know God, that lady who does not know God and does not serve God. Well, you know, how does it, well, Pastor John, the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. Well, I have bad news for you. You've signed the contract. You already did it out of desperation for a job. You've signed a covenant. Now just fulfill your responsibility. But if you understand that you exist in order to be a blessing, then heaven 
will back you up when you have favor with man. Now I want to show you, I want to show you in Jesus' life, and this will help people because it's very important. So the second thing is we walk in faith in God's word and in obedience with God's word. Okay, I want you to go to Luke chapter 2, the, the verse that I started talking about, and I want to read this portion. <clears throat> When Jesus is now being brought to the temple by his mother. So we'll read from verse 39. <clears throat> this is chapter 2, verse 39. Luke 2, 39. Are you there? Yes. Are you there? Yes. Awesome. So when they had performed all things according to the law, this is his mom and dad, Jesus' mom and dad. The law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. Now listen to this. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Verse 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they, had, when they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey. This is really bad. And sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. They went one day away and they're like, Kidare, where is he? Where is this guy? Where is this Jesus? God gave him as a blessing to me and now he's vanished. Oh my God, the Savior of the world has disappeared. So that's their panic now. All right? <laughs> right, 45. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days, they found him. And he was sitting in the temple in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. But this is not the good amazed. This is like, I'm going to, you know. If it was my mom, it would have been, come here. You have so much of wisdom, come here. Come. <laughs> Let me talk to you on the side over here. When they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Okay, see the question. Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Now. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? <laughs> Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Twelve years old. But they did not understand, this is a millennial problem. <laughs> but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. How brilliant. Like, have you ever been with your mom and dad? You've said something and they're like, just come on, get home. No, but I'm, I'm actually doing something good, dad. I'm actually going to surge because I, I, I'm changing. My life is changing. Just don't go, come. I'm just like, do your studies, do your studies. Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Can you imagine his father? It's like, what are you saying, man? <laughs> when did I get a business? <laughs> but, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Now, here's the switch. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Okay? The reason why I'm talking about Jesus is because we must understand that when we are hearing God's voice directly and we're being discipled by God and we're getting revelation and we're getting, you know, miracles are happening in our lives and all that kind of stuff is happening and we're seeing visions and dreams and prophetic words, don't think you are greater than the ones that God has placed over you. You understand? There's a reason 
why God placed Samuel with Eli. Not because Samuel would look at Eli's flaws and go, hey, this fellow doesn't understand anything, man. <laughs> Sometimes we talk, to our, talk about our parents like that. I don't know where, man. He, he thinks I came from somewhere, but I don't know where he came from. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, I've been, and I've been in this position. I've been in this position many, many times. And I've made this mistake many, many times. And, and I've, you know, God had taken me for a season. And I've been in ministry for a long time. <laughs> and I thought that I, I knew a lot of things in church. And I knew a lot of things about, about Christ and about the word and about ministry and all that. So I thought I knew everything. And I was like, yeah, you know, whoever, whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to be the head and not the tail. And, you know, nobody raised their child to be a tail. Everybody raised the child to be the head. And who's going to be the head? Who's going to be the leader? Who's going to be the follower? I mean, why don't you raise your children up to be good followers? See, the, anyway, that's another leadership lesson, but don't go down there. But here, we, 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 I grew I understood that I, my purpose was one day to lead a church and do this and have a ministry and change the world and all that stuff. And God took me and put me under a person who just got saved. <laughs> and so I, I discovered uh, a twist <laughs> in the plot. I was like, yeah, I'm the man of God. I know I can run this meeting better than anybody else can. And I can do this and I can do that. And God said, you just, just serve him. But God, he doesn't do anything. Yeah, but I chose him. Who are you to decide whether he knows anything or not? Please, your clap. Yeah, I know. It's, it's my, my, that, was my, that was my pride because of years of lack of, actually, lack of experience. And so I, I, I decided earlier on, okay, if I, God calls me to serve this, then, then this man, then I'll be there to teach him. <laughs> I'll be there to guide him. I'll be there as his, you know, as his right-hand man because God has chosen him and, you know, all that stuff. It just never worked, man. <laughs> it just never worked until I learned, and this is the third point, to submit to man. Submit. See, a lot of people don't clap because the submission word has been an abuse in your life. <laughs> submission. No, 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 no. That church I can't go to. How can I submit to this man? How can I submit to this woman? This, have you seen this coach's flaws? Let me, I can write a book. <laughs> Who qualified them? God did. Who, who, uh, okay, God did, but I don't know what God was thinking. See, the problem is you don't know what God is thinking because you're not connected to his heart and his mind. If you are connected to his heart and his mind, you know exactly what he was thinking when he chose that man. Right? So I had to make the choice to love submission. Let me tell you something. God the Father never forced Jesus to become a man. <laughs> he never forced him. Jesus, you have to become a man and die on the cross. <laughs> Submission is not something that some, is not oppressive. Submission, sub, submission has to do with the state of your heart. You choose to submit. Without the person qualifying for your submission. See, a lot of you, some of you have come into this church because you thought, you know, wow, man, the worship is awesome. The presence of God is a pastor. John's preaching a word. And it's revelation. It's just flowing and we have long services and all that kind of stuff. That's the church that I want to go to. See, the problem is that you got manipulated to come into this church. And when change happens, you can't handle it. Submission, submission is the state of the heart. You choose to love. You choose to submit. Whether the person is qualified or not, God chose them. 
Do you understand? God chose your life coaches. God chose the pastoral team. God chose them. Now, we come into this place where we look at Jesus' life. And we see that Jesus, although he is the son of God, and his parents had absolutely no clue what he was doing on the earth. He still chose to go home with them. The Bible says that he was subject to his parents. At 12 years old, please listen to me, 12 years old, he made the choice to submit. The next time you hear of Jesus is 18 years later. 18 years submitted. See, Jesus was like, hey, man, I'm about my father's business. See, if you step out too early, it wouldn't be the right time for God to release you into the ministry that he has called you to do. Jesus had to learn that as well. Even though he was a son of God at 12 years old, he had to learn to submit to his mom and dad. Who had no ministry experience? Who had no parenting skills? They left him for a day, man. I mean, how would your children feel if you forgot them at the park for a day and then realized, oh, and then three days later you find them? Like, what would your kids think? These people are not qualified to be my parents. What God, my father, why did you? Like, what happened? Between this virgin who you found favor with, with God, she found favor with God. Blessed are you amongst all the virgins and all that kind of stuff. And she forgot me. <laughs> For three days. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? The frustration of Jesus, like I'm about my father's business. And it's like, hey, get in line. Do you understand? Mom and dad had no ministry experience. Get in line. We're going home. Submit. And Jesus chose to submit. He got so submitted that he didn't come out for 18 years. <laughs> so the next time Jesus pops up on the scene, he's standing on the show. John the Baptist. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. This is, a, this is how I read the Bible. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. You need to baptize me. No, no, no. You need to baptize me. No, Baba. You don't understand submission. <laughs> You get it? <laughs> you get it? <laughs> 18 years later, he's still fighting submissions. I mean, please, I, I've learned it enough. I know what I need to do. I need to, fu listen, fulfillment of all righteousness didn't have to do with the Lord, had to do with submission. So, we're talking about favor with men. When Jesus was baptized, he came, went into the wilderness, came out with all power, all that kind of stuff. The first miracle that Jesus did, who opened the door for him? Who was he submitted to? He comes to, he tells his mom, woman, <laughs> I've had enough now. <laughs> this submission is like, you don't, now don't ask me to do ministry now. <laughs> No, no, no. It's like, first you tell me not to do any ministry. Now you tell me, come and do ministry. What is happening to you, man? <laughs> this, is, this is my relationship with my mom and dad. Okay, this is not Jesus. This is Jesus holy. <laughs> so, so, so to his mom, he was like, I'm about my father's business. But when the time came for him to do his father's business, he's like, now's not my time. His mother says, now is your time. Do it. <laughs> Oh dear, you know, Jesus is having a good laugh at me. It's absolutely fine, right? So, so, so the one who, who said, now is not your time because he did not have favor with men was the very one who opened the door for Jesus to have favor with men. See, Jesus could not do miracles. Why? Because the man did not favor him. But when his mother said, I know you can do it. 
See, this is why you need to be submitted. They may not have a clue about what ministry is all about. They may not, your boss may not even have a clue about how to lead you as a salesman, a sales manager, director, whatever your position is. But there will come a point in time because of your submission that God will speak the right words to them to be able to say, okay, now is the time. Open the door, walk into your place and take your position. That's when Jesus really actually started ex experiencing favor with man. What does favor with man look like? You lay hands on the sick and they get recovered. You, you speak to servants to go fill water and water changes into wine. Why did it change into wine? No, please listen to me. Jesus only saw what he saw the father doing. But even though he was fully equipped... He waited for his mother to say yes. Come on, man. You must understand how favor works. Favor with God is very linked to favor with man. Do you understand? We have to come into this place in 2020 that we cannot think that we are so super spiritual that we are no earthly good. Don't think that you are so, that you need to be so in the heavens. That you can't relate to the person sitting next to you, man. That you can't go for a movie. You can't go out for a, a, a coffee. <laughs> you can't go out and drink Pepsi. <laughs> what I'm talking about is... <laughs> Don't be so heavenly minded that, that we think that, wow, you know, I need to be in the heavens. I need to see visions and dreams and all that kind of stuff. And forget the people sitting next to you who are in need. Because their blessing is linked with you. And if you don't understand that your purpose is to bless the person sitting next to you on your left and your right, then heaven's favor does not flow over you. Do you understand? <laughs> Submission is such a beautiful thing. When you come into this place of, of, of learning to submit, you're saying, God, my future is in your hands. Not in the hands of this unqualified, you know, inexperienced people who don't know how to do anything. But God was the one who chose them. Why? It's because they positioned themselves to minister to God. Why was Mary chosen? It's because she was righteous. She was favored. Oh, she was favored. She was favored. And so if Jesus had to have favor with man, he had to come and submit to the one. Let's stand. Let's stand. You did great. Thank you so much. You did great. You really did great.